Welcome everyone to Breaking Big Blue. I'm your host, Jordan Brown on ESPN, ESPN.com, Giants reporter, and we're here with the disaster cleanup episode. That's right. The Giants lost in their opener. We got all hyped, right? The season's starting. This team actually has potential. They have more talent than last year, hoping to build off last year. And what do they do? They lay the ultimate egg. I mean, they poop their pants about as bad as you can in a season opening. As a matter of fact, I've covered a lot of games. I've never covered a game where a team lost 40 to nothing in a professional NFL football game. Embarrassing. Embarrassing. I mean, it's a word that Xavier McKinney used after. It's hard not to, uh, anybody not to describe it that way or to, to object to that. And now they go into a matchup with the Arizona Cardinals where it's week two. Week two of an NFL season. You don't want to go 0-2. We know that. It's not great. The odds are bad. They're against you if you go 0-2 to make the playoffs. It's obviously changed because now they're 17 games. So 16 games, it used to be like you go 0-2. It's basically like the death knell. You could probably survive it these days, but it's really not good, regardless, no matter what. But if the Giants lose this game, season's over, flat out over in week two. Now, we're going to talk to Dave Rothenberg, ESPN New York host, my guy, no one better to talk Giants with than him in a few minutes. Uh, but first, I really just, I, let me reemphasize that. There is, there are, the Giants are in a must-win game in week two already. There's, there's no doubt about it they cannot lose there go to Arizona to the Arizona Cardinals are actually staying out there we'll talk a little more about that later on in the show about staying out there then because they and then they're going to San Francisco because they play on Thursday then the following Thursday so think about this for a second the most concerning thing about that game clearly was the offensive line we could sit here we could nitpick the offensive line as a whole or specifically Evan Neal because this team couldn't afford for Evan Neal not to be good and what happened Evan Neal looked terrible again so right now we're sitting. They're sitting in a spot, the Giants, and we're all thinking, you know, we saw this last year from Evan Neal, and you were hoping he would follow the Andrew Thomas path, but in reality, he's probably closer to the Eric Flowers path. At least that's what the opener said. Maybe he turns around. Maybe he plays better. But boy, was that concerning. And I will say this: I have friends who are evaluators. They all have different opinions. One person that I trust, I will say this been telling me all along before he was drafted when he was drafted he said it pretty consistently he thought Evan Neal was a guard at the end in the NFL level and the more I watch I thought I thought about it after his rookie year and said you know what there's a possibility but you definitely give him a chance you want you want it to work out as a tackle you're much more valuable as a tackle so you try to make it work but it's entirely possible that Evan Neal is ultimately a guard at the NFL level and that's not good for the Giants although if he's a high-level guard, that's great. But, I mean, you don't know that. They haven't really played much guard. That's for a later date. That's probably for after this year. In the meantime, they got to make Evan Neal work. And to make it matters worse, they really need Evan Neal to work starting this week because Andrew Thomas, the left tackle, the only known quantity, the only, I shouldn't say known quantity, the only high-end player on the Giants offensive line is dealing with a hamstring injury, and he's, questionable at this point. I'm taping this on Wednesday night. He's very questionable whether he's going to be able to play this week. Now, the Giants have to figure out. They have a game on Sunday. They have a game again on Thursday. That's two games in four days. How do they navigate guys like him? Uh, 
dealing with an injury, a hamstring injury? How do they navigate with a guy like Wandale Robinson, who's probably ready to come back this week, but do you really want him playing two games in four days to start off his, you know, to come back from an ACL? So I think the smart move with Wandale Robinson is probably wait till Thursday to bring him back next Thursday. Because I don't want him playing two games in four days. That's not a, that's not a, a good philosophy. That's not a good plan. That's not a good path. So I think the better idea for him is wait. As for Andrew Thomas, you almost want him more against Arizona, win that game, but you're not then going to be able to play him against Arizona and then all of a sudden just sit him the following Thursday. You're either good enough to play on on Sunday or you're not good enough. And then you worry about Thursday later on. Now, the flip side is, I don't care if Andrew Thomas plays. That line looked terrible. The right side, Mark Liskey played off. We'll see what happens this week. I wouldn't be the least bit surprised if we see changes to the line. Josh Azudu gets some sort of chance at guard because Mark Lewinsky was terrible at right guard. Played off. Played a terrible game. Evan Neal played terrible at right tackle. Going to have to stick with Neal. Josh Azudu is a guy they tried to have with everything they had. They tried for Josh Azudu to win a starting job, and he couldn't do it. So it's probably not going to turn out really well even if he plays, talking about Azudu. But I do expect him to probably get a shot. Azudu playing left guard means Bredesen usually slides over to right guard. That's generally what the Giants did this summer. So I think if we see that on Sunday, I wouldn't be surprised even the least bit. Maybe some sort of rotation. I think that's in the realm of possibilities. But the bottom line is, when they play San Francisco, San Francisco's defensive line might be better than the Cowboys. And by the way, the Cowboys look great. That defense is going to be awesome. It was just a bad matchup. It's, and and let's, let's just be fair. We said this going in, and I go, I know. I picked the Giants to win, and I thought they'd be able to work around it. But the one concern I kept saying that we kept having is their offensive line just gets dominated to the point where they're just unable to run offense and they're incapable of doing anything. That's what happened. Now, it was way bigger than that. The Giants played their F game in every facet. They let up a field goal touchdown. Right, They had a field goal blocked for a touchdown on their opening drive of the season. So they're moving down the field. They're actually running the ball well. The goal was to slow down the Cowboys' pass rush, not get into situations where you have to pass, pass, pass. And what do they do? They go down the field. They actually didn't throw a pass. Daniel Jones scrambled a couple times. They ran everything. So for their first and goal at the eight, get a false start, maybe second and goal. A second and goal at the eight was. Uh, false start, bad snap by John Michael Schmitz, who was all right in his debut. And then field goal block, touchdown, later on in the quarter, Pass to Saquon, he gets popped, pops up in the air, t- defensive touchdown. What a disaster. What a disaster. An absolutely poop-in-their-pants performance. Defense didn't play particularly well. We didn't see the pass rush at all. The only one who actually thought played pretty well, two, two players. Dexter Lawrence and Xavier McKinney. Everybody else, you can forget about that game. Just forget about it. A mess of a game. And here's the biggest fallout of that game. And we talked about it before, and that's why that game was so big. The Giants clearly, clearly are not in the Cowboys class. They play later on in the season in Dallas. Hard to imagine them winning. They're clearly, clearly not in the Eagles class. So the best case scenario, and I don't even know this to be true, because we've said it before, Washington, while they're not good, they're not Bad, bad. Like, best case scenario is the Giants are the third best team in their division. It's really hard to have success. Leaves you a really slim margin for error when you're the third best team in your own division. Now, the rest of the NFC stinks. 
aside from San Francisco. I don't think anyone's particularly good. But how good are the Giants? Look, I picked eight wins to start. I probably even knock it down to seven now. They're probably a seven-win team. They're not going to win all these games against Seattle, Miami, uh, the Jets. I mean, these are all toss-up games. Maybe they're underdogs in a bunch of them, depending on whether they're home or away. You know, Seattle. Um, I'll still give them the Rams. Uh, who's the other NFC West team? We've got Arizona, Rams, Seattle, and San Francisco. Right, there we go. So, and even like New England. Let's throw New England in there. That's another game. You know, at best, it's like a toss-up. Although the Giants are at home for that one, so that should help. But, you know, I'll, if I had to re, re-pick, provide a new prediction, after seeing the Giants play on week one, I don't know how you don't lower your prediction after seeing it. I get it. It's one game. But, boy, was that bad. There was no positives to take. And it really makes you think more and more. And you give credit for them for what they did last year. That last year was a little bit of an aberration. They played some bad teams. They had a bad schedule. They had a bunch of breaks go in their direction. A few of those breaks go in the other direction this year with a much harder schedule. I mean, seven wins, that's that's their range. Not 10, seven, at least from the team that we saw on Sunday night. I was going to say Monday night. Sunday night. There's deficiencies in the roster. Like I mentioned before, they're not deep. That was one of my main concerns. The offensive line. That was one of my main concerns. We saw that when they played a really, really good Cowboys team. Which, by the way, with Micah Parsons, that pass rush, and those two cornerbacks in, in Stephon Diggs. Uh, sorry, not Stephon Diggs. Trayvon Diggs' brother and Stephon Gilmore. Like, they're going to be really, really good. Top three defense easy in the NFL. Now, here's the thing. The Giants play them twice. Really good defensive front. They play the Eagles tw- uh, twice. Really good defensive front. They play the Dolphins. Good defensive front. They play the Niners. Great defensive front. They play the Jets. Dominant defensive front. Like These are going to be really tough matchups for the Giants with their offensive line. And if I'm these other teams, I'm taking my best pass rusher. I'm never putting him on the left side. I'm putting him over Evan Neal the entire time. Or, or the right side of the Giants offensive line in general. And say, okay, stop me. Why would you ever... In your right mind, line up anyone on the left side over Andrew Thomas. If you could just go against Evan Neal on the right side of the Giants line until they prove that they can play at a high level, I'm attacking that side. Over and over and over again. Very simple. Very simple. Now, the Andrew Thomas injury really just it's a really difficult twist for this team because I was thinking about it, okay? Especially after watching that opener. If I had to make a list of the Giants' most indispensable players, meaning they can't live without him. If they lost him for eight games, the season is over. Right now, I have Andrew Thomas number one. Because, in part, well, he's good. And in part because the rest of the line is so unproven and just not, nobody else is a high-level player there. So for for me, like, they cannot afford to lose him. Uh, Second, I have Daniel Jones, only because he's the quarterback. But they do have Tyrod Taylor. I think you could get by for like four, six, maybe even eight games with Tyrod Taylor and not and win some games. Dexter Lawrence, Adoree Jackson, just because I don't feel confident with what they have behind him at all. Right then that thrust, Deontay Banks, who's a rookie, who played well, by the way, until he got a cramp. And now he's listed, what did they, they called it a calf injury now. 
So I'm a little concerned about that. Because remember, he did not come back in the game. Granted, it was a blowout. The second half of the game, we did not see the first round pick. But if they lose to Dory Jackson, forget about it. And then Saquon, Darren Waller at like five and six probably could flip flop those. So number one, I have Andrew Thomas. Number two, I have Daniel Jones. Number three, I have Dexter Lawrence. Four, Dory Jackson. And five, and A and five B is Darren Waller, Saquon Bark. Those are my most indispensable Giants. Andrew Thomas, number one, your left tackle protects your quarterback's blindside, and they got nobody, nobody behind them that you have any confidence in. Matt Pear could possibly start. Josh Suzudu could possibly start at left tackle. Who knows? Either way, massive drop-off in production in town. So that's where we stand after the opener. Not in great shape. Let's talk to Dave Rothenberg. On to the next one. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jet's signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jet's Pizza. Better because it has to be. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. All right, off that disaster. Nobody better to check in with than my man, Dave Rothenberg, host of DiPietro and Rothenberg in the morning on ESPN Radio 98.7. Dave, first off, I, I think I probably owe you an apology. I probably should have given you a welfare check on, a check on Sunday night, you know? Terrible. I mean, thanks for having me. I love to be a guest. I don't love it under these circumstances. Um it was it was really awful. I mean, it was almost nothing positive. The Giants got beaten in every way. They got embarrassed in their home stadium. You know, you heard chants of "Let's go Cowboys!" Like, I don't remember a lot of worse moments in Giants history than what we actually saw during this game on Sunday night. Yeah, that. I mean, that. I have a question. And I'm going to skip right to it here. Then, then you kind of allude to it. Like, worst loss since what for you? Like, because I was thinking. You know, there's been some bad losses, like, you know, the 60-plus-yard field goals, right, the the Evan Ingram drop against the Eagles. I'm talking in right. recent years. But I think, I mean, to me, this might be, like, the worst loss for the Giants since that 2016, just the whole circumstances of the boat trip and the way they went with their shirts off. Like, that's kind of what I went back to. What do, what do you think when I say worst loss since? Well, it's interesting you said I think you have to put it into perspective, right? So a playoff loss... I would think, and and the way they lost that game has to be considered worse than this, right? But that's that wasn't. I, that's why I considered that one, right? But that was like like this was just there was such an expectation that they were, I mean, at a minimum, going to compete in the game, and to get just mauled. I mean, it's it's so humbling and humiliating. I I mean, I don't know. It, I mean, the, the loss to the Niners in 0-2 was worse because you had a huge lead and there was a playoff game. But 
This was really, really bad. Like, really, really bad. And the thing that was so shocking is you had, like, four minutes of, hey, look at us. Like, this offense is clicking, and Jones is running, and, you know, you had that, what they have, like, second and two from the eight, and then Thomas has the false start, and then Schmitz ruins the snap, and then the blocked field goal, and it went from, hey, look at us. You, You can see the difference in this offense, too we're in big trouble and it, it spiraled quickly and it fell out of control. So uh, to answer your question in a very long winded way, like there are a few losses in giants history that I remember is ultimately so painful, but not a lot at the start of the season. Like that Jordan was really brutal. Yeah. I mean, I've never been to a game where I seen a 40, nothing NFL game. I mean, that's like, that's wild in the NFL, but that, that stretch where you said, you know, the false start fumble block field goal that really epitomizes the game for the Giants because it was everything, right? It wasn't just one thing. I mean, and the line sucked. Don't get me wrong. Like the offensive line was terrible, but like it was a little bit of everything when you think about it. Like their special teams made huge mistakes. Their offense was terrible. Their defense was a bit like literally the coaching wasn't good. Nothing was good in that game. So I'm asking you, what is your primary takeaway? Because for me, it's coming away from that game, big picture. It's wow, they're really still not in the same class as Dallas or Philadelphia. Now we're still stuck in the, okay, at best, they're the third best team in the division. Yeah, I think that would be my take. And I think my take would be, you know, have the Giants regressed? Because let's be fair, last season, even though they didn't beat Dallas once or Philly once, they competed with Dallas. I mean, the Giants led in the fourth quarter, the Monday night game uh, at, at, Giants Stadium and the game down at Dallas, I think I think it was Thanksgiving Day and the Giants, you know, wasn't overly close, but they didn't get run out of the building. They were leading in the third quarter of that game. Yeah. I mean, just just it it looked awful. And again, you haven't played yet. It's a new team. There's new players. I get it, but it just it was jarring. So I gotta be honest, and I know it's early and it's only one game. I'm at the point where I'm like, I'm on edge because it, it, the offensive line was so bad. It, it, I mean, it's it's worse than it was. I, I couldn't believe it. I mean, Lewinsky was, was awful. Neil looked overwhelmed. Um, I get Schmitz. It's his first game, and, and I, I know he didn't grade out horribly, but, you know, he didn't look great. And then Bredesen, it's like uh, an Andrew Thomas who got hurt in the game. The offensive line was awful. Jones didn't look good, but I don't know how, how like, Jones didn't look good because Jones is not good because the offensive line and the offense was so bad. So, I have questions all over the place. I really, I mean, special teams was atrocious. I mean, to allow a touchdown, what should have been a field goal, they missed another field goal. Uh, I just, I, I'm, I'm nervous about the game on Sunday because if you somehow lose this game on Sunday to a team that I, I think is inferior to you, this thing could go completely off the rails. So I want to win this game. I want to win comfortably. I don't want it to be a close game fourth quarter. I want to comfortably win that game against the the Cardinals, and then I'll feel a little better. We could take it from there. But no, the it was honestly, Jordan, nothing positive in my mind that came out of this game. So do you change your expectations? Have your expectations changed? Your pre- your prediction, your confidence level, how much has that wavered? Yeah, I mean, this was a first round, you know, uh, a boxing match and you walk out to the middle of the ring and you get slugged in the face. You, you know, I could have dealt with a loss that was a, a, a tight fought, close game, fourth quarter, Dallas makes a play and, and the Giants don't. Dave, you don't go thinking like this, 40 to nothing. You're just demoralized. It's demoralizing. You're right. So 
I think you have to change your expectations just because it was so glaring. Now, they can change back, right? If you beat Arizona and you lose a, a tight, tough game to San Francisco to come home and beat Seattle, it can change back. But right now, sitting here after game one before week two, no, I, I don't feel good at all about what I've seen from the Giants. And I, I think I'm I, maybe I do change my viewpoint of what they're going to be this season. You you kind of said it right there. They do kind of have to. It made me think about it. They do kind of have to be two and two after four, don't they? Like you got to be Arizona, and you have to have to that that Monday night game against Seattle. Like I, they're not going to be able to come back. If they're one and three, and forget oh and so because because because, because remember this week must win this. Week. Oh, me too. They're in a must win. They lose this. Forget game. it. I mean, Excuse honestly, me. and I don't think this is like overreacting or anything. Right over, and not only that, Jordan. And I don't think this is an overreaction. Giants lose this game. And I I mean, I'm looking at like four wins. You can't lose this football game. You should be better than Arizona. It'll it'll spiral out of control. And you're going to be talking about being a top five pick in the draft. Because think about this, right? You know, I don't think on a good day they're beating San Francisco. So now you'd be 0-3. Seattle home, God knows. Then you're in Miami in Miami. Buffalo. You know, so Buffalo, I mean, they're not winning Miami and Buffalo on the road if they're they're not beating Arizona, right? So you could be staring at zero and six right in the face, and all of a sudden that's a season that that goes completely out of control. Now I will say this: I still have faith and full belief in Dable and Shane, and that has not wavered. But my belief in what this current, you know, team can be this season, I definitely have some some concerns and reservations. All right, so you're talking about your concerns. I'm going to list a couple here. Ready? You pick what's most concerning to you. A, Evan Neal. B, the offensive line in general. C, Daniel Jones, because I thought he did get a little flustered there. I thought we were past the point where when things started going bad, we get we we would get we wouldn't see the flustered Daniel Jones and his feet were moving quick and making the silly like the Stefan Gilmore interception is awful. D is Kayvon Thibodeau in the pass rush. Or E is other. Um, you want me to rank them most, list of five? No, just pick. What, what, do you, what do you come out of that game most concerned? Offensive about? line. Offensive line. I mean, As part of the offensive yeah. line is yeah, is certainly Evan Neal. But I mean, there were there were plays that they were trying to pull the guards, and the guards couldn't even get over to get in front of the Cowboys' pass rushers. It was it was glaring, like it was awful. That I don't worry. I don't worry about Thomas at all. But having a hamstring injury gives me tremendous pause, and you know, hopefully he'll be able to play this week. And I know he's a Who tough guy. Who for him? Who oh, that's the thing. Put in? I don't and he just banged up, by the way. And he's and he's awful. I mean, when he's healthy, he's not good. So a banged up Matt Parrott is a real problem. Oh no, offensive line first and foremost. I mean, absolutely. Now everything gives you pause for concern. I will say this: uh, of the things you just listed for me, the one I worry about the least, to be honest with you, is Daniel Jones. I think that was a no-win situation for him. I think if you take any quarterback who you look at and you say is really good, they get destroyed in that game. I think if you flip-flop the quarterbacks and put Prescott on the Giants, it's probably still 40 to nothing. Like, I, I don't think any quarterback could have existed with what the Giants had to deal with on, on Sunday against the Cowboys. It, it was a no-win situation, and you're right. The pass to Gilmore was awful, but... I mean, okay, so the guy made, you know, one bad throw or two bad throws. They did not lose because of him at all. No, they didn't lose because of him. I'm just saying, I would, and look, you know me, I'm the conductor, right? I'm, I'm on the Daniel Jones bandwagon. Sure you I are. Just, I just saw some things, His, he just looked like his feet were like, you know, he had happy feet for a while. Like, just he just got a little flustered, and I thought. But Jordan, who I, wouldn't get flustered? The guy was under pressure every single down. I understand that, but then when you're not under pressure, you can't have your feet moving all over the place. 
and making you know basically off-platform throws that when he actually the rare times that he did have time. Now I get it. I'm not blaming it on him, by the way. I'm really not. Then you're right. Dak Prescott on the other side, they would have got blown out. But I, I did see some things. I I just want to see him bounce back this week, and I'll feel I'll feel better about him. I, I promise. And I think you will. I really think you will. No, I agree. I agree. Um, do you think that there's there's extra pressure on him now? Because I, I don't know. I, I you you talk to callers every day. Right. Daniel Jones. I'm curious what you take from it because I've seen it a little bit and you hear it and people are like, no, the second things go bad, they automatically point, well, you're getting paid $42 million, 160, they give him a $160 million contract. How much more pressure do you think is on him from the, I think there is. And I, I, well, for, for two reasons, I definitely think there is reason. One is he was good last year. Reason two is they, you could argue whatever you want. So the offensive line wasn't good. And that's fair. And he had no chance. And I don't blame him for Sunday. They'd give it, and weapons. Darren Waller is a weapon. Harris Campbell is a weapon. Jalen Hyde, who dropped that pass, which is inexcusable, is a weapon, right? I mean, they do have better weapons than they did last season. And yeah, you're right. I mean, the guy, whether whether he deserves it or or should get critiqued for it or, or it's market value or whatever, he's getting paid a boatload of money. So if Daniel Jones is getting paid moderately and is fine, that's okay. Daniel Jones is getting paid handsomely. And I think the fan base looks at him and says, he can't be fine anymore. He has to be the reason you're now winning games. And it remains to be seen if he's going to be that guy. No, I, I agree. I agree. There's a, it's just a different situation he's in now. It's a different situation this team is now. It's going to be interesting how they sort of uh, re- accept that, right? Because more is expected from them. They're not these like pesky underdogs anymore, even though people outside of New York just don't believe in them at all. But we'll leave on this. Ready? We'll, mm-hmm. we'll try. We'll try and do some op- have some optimism here. Your best case scenario for this Giants team at this point is what? You're looking at a season long kind of projection. Yeah, yeah. So like, we came into the season. You weren't sure if they were going to make the playoffs, right? You were kind of you right. And you, me, and you were probably kind of in that eight and nine, but right, right. I think right there where they could essentially regress a little bit in regards to record, but be a better team. So do you still hold have that hope? Is that is that the ceiling now? Is, or is yeah, that, I think or that's is it, fair. We still envision a, a world where they do even better than that. No, uh, well, I, I will say this, okay? Uh, there is not a positive I take out of the Cowboys game. Not one, really. Um, the one thing I will, I mean, is that a game you looked at and said the Giants are going to win that game? I think you gave, I think we all gave them a decent chance to win it, but losing a game to the Cowboys is certainly not an embarrassment. The way you lost it is embarrassing. So, as bad as it was, it's one loss. Does it mean that they can't beat Arizona or Seattle or maybe go in and steal a game for Miami or Buffalo? No. So do I think they're going to get to 10 or 11? I think that ship maybe has sailed. I think the Giants, and I've always thought this, are an 8-9 if everything breaks perfectly 10-win team. But I think more realistically, the upside of the Giants is 8 or 9 wins this season. So uh, I, I change my view a little bit. And had they won it, I might have changed it a lot. But I still think I'm not gonna I'm not gonna say the season is lost because you had one horrendous football game. Yeah, I just have I just think it takes away confidence you have that you could compete with these top two. Like so, they have two games against Dallas, right? They already lost one with the other right on, on the road. You have a hard time envisioning them winning one of those games at this point. Correct. You have two games against the Eagles. You have a primetime game on Monday night. Or Sunday night in my in Buffalo, and a Thursday night game 
in San Francisco. That's six games. I have trouble. Let's just say they win one of them. Like the Eagles don't play in one of those final games or something like that. That's some, we're sitting here now with five losses. Like there's a, that's a slim margin for error, isn't it? That to move forward. They don't, yeah, they don't have any margin for error. So now, now like the Seattle, the New Orleans, which are not gimmies, those games. Oh, no, those are off games. Like, they're, they're, you know, like even, they're probably even on spreads, right. right? In those games. Right. Those become games you, you really need to, you really need to win those games. Cause if you're looking at those other six and saying, if you're fortunate, you'll go one and five and miraculously, maybe you could go two and four. You need to beat the, right? The, those teams that you, I mean, listen, the Jets, I know they lose Rodgers for the year, but their defense is daunting and they're still not a bad football team in Miami and Buffalo and, you know, the New England's of the world. The New England's defense is really good. You need to win that, right? Again, I mean, you need, no, give. no, no, I don't, yeah. I, that's the problem. The problem is, and again, I don't know what the Giants are going to be, and I don't want to sit here and say the sky is completely falling, but they don't have a lot of games on the schedule that you look at and say, okay, that's a win. This weekend, that's a win. And if it's not, it's going to be a major problem. The Houston and Indies at home that they had last year, that those are those are those are not there this year. So it'll be an interesting road. But uh, this week, hopefully, the Giants get back on track, and you feel better on uh, Monday morning, Dave. All right. I hope that's the case. Uh, we'll catch up. We'll link up again in the middle of the season, and we'll, we'll we'll take stock of where the Giants are at. Deal. Appreciate it. Thanks, George. Love it. Tell my guy Alex, uh, happy bar bar mitzvah. All right. I will I will certainly pass along the nice message. Thank you. All right. Thanks to Dave Rothenberg. On to the next one. All right. Let's wrap this up with a little quick Jordan on the beat. This is where I tell you what it's like to cover the Giants work for ESPN or cover the NFL in general. And this is going to be an interesting week because the Giants play Arizona. Then they go to San Francisco. So the plan is for the Giants and for myself and for a lot of the re reporters, I believe, to go out to Arizona on Saturday, right? They play on Sunday. You got to go out the day before because especially nowadays, you never know with flights when you're going to get canceled, delayed, whatever. So you definitely have to go out the day before. Make sure you give yourself plenty, ample time to get there. So we're going out Saturday and we're staying out there. Giants are practicing next week or working next week. You don't really practice much. Maybe you do some walkthroughs during a, a Thursday game week, right? Because you're trying to recover from the game on Monday. Tuesday, you just go out and you move your body around a little bit. They basically walk through and run a bunch of plays. Wednesday, they're going to travel to San Francisco. Again, walk through day before game routine and play Thursday. So that's kind of what we're going to do as well. So it'll be Arizona from Saturday to Wednesday, fly to San Francisco on Wednesday, and then the Giants will come back right after the game. We'll come back Friday morning which eventually means you'll be back Friday afternoon because you're losing three hours and you got to fly across the country. So busy few days coming up, busy week. Uh, might be able to squeeze in some golf out in Arizona, San Francisco. Myself, Connor, uh, Connor Hughes, and Pat Leonard will get some big matches out there. I'll give you a recap of how that goes, but really it doesn't make sense to... Okay, let's say you, yeah, you were going to come home in between. You leave on... The game is on Sunday. You can't leave Sunday night because there's no red eye that we really can make. So we're leaving Monday morning from Arizona. You get back late Monday, and then you have to fly out to San Francisco first thing on when on Wednesday morning. So you're really only home for 24 hours. So it makes more sense to stay out there. We did it when the Giants, they played uh, two years ago under Joe Judge. They played in Miami, and then 
Los Angeles. They spent that week in Tucson. This time it's going to be Tempe. Uh, so a little closer to Phoenix, Scottsdale area. Tucson was more in the middle of nowhere. But that was an interesting week, and Joe Judge was great about it. He actually, that was a little different because you were there for the whole week. They weren't playing until the next Sunday. So they had more time. Now everything's crunched. Like the, the Giants are going to be super busy just trying to get ready from a Sunday to Thursday game. Last time they had a whole week, Joe Judge took us all out to dinner, went out to dinner with him and had a nice steak dinner, enjoyed a night out, a bunch of drinks, you know, just talked about it, talked shop and had a, a good time uh, at a steakhouse in Tucson. I do not expect that to happen this time in Tempe, but those are the things you kind of, the perks you kind of get when you're on the road. You get to spend time closer to people within the organization that maybe you wouldn't get to spend otherwise, which is why it's so valuable from a reporting standpoint that you were able to cultivate these relationships. I met a couple of the coaches out uh, when we went last time into Tucson. So same here, going to be close to them. We'll see. I don't have anything planned and I wouldn't tell you anyway. I could tell you after the fact that I went out with a couple coaches and we had dinner with Joe Judge. But uh, it'll be a little different this time around because there's such a quick turnaround between the Sunday and Thursday game. But still, going to be spending the week away from home. We'll try and do a quick podcast, hopefully at the beginning of next week. I think it's going to be a heavy Giants After Dark episode. And uh, maybe I'll get one of the other writers or reporters on with me. And uh, we'll bang out something. I'm also thinking about doing something after the game on YouTube for breaking big blue too. Tell me if that's something you think you'd be interested in me providing uh, in, in regards to additional content. So always welcome for your feedback. As always, tell your friends, like, subscribe this podcast, Breaking Big Blue. I'm Jordan Ronan. See you next time.